Thank you, Trinity Bible Church. I love this church. I love your encouragement. Thank you. My name is Steven Anderson. I'm the pastoral assistant of community groups in college and career, and I love you. Are you ready to receive this morning's message with great eagerness and examine the scriptures like the Bereans did in the book of Acts? Are we ready? I have a good friend who will send me texts once in a while saying, this is all that it says, how's your heart? That's it. It doesn't say anything else. It just says, how is your heart? How is your heart this morning? How is your heart this morning? Let's begin this morning by preparing our minds to listen and reflect. Some of you have rushed here this morning to make it to church on time, weaving in and out of traffic. News feeds have been incessantly scrolling in front of your eyes all week. You haven't had a break from the busyness of life. Distractions are everywhere, competing for your allegiance and your attention. So let's take a moment just to wind down for a second. Take a moment to take a deep breath. Let's take some time to seriously listen to what God wants to tell us to his word. That's the reason you're here, right? That's the reason you are watching online, right? To hear the word of God. So let's look for more than inspiration this morning. Let's look for a transformation, for our hearts to be transformed. Let's prepare our minds and our hearts to examine the word and to be examined by the word. So do your best not to think about the person's heart next to you. Don't nudge them when you feel that they should be listening. Nudge yourself. Examine where your own heart is. So let's prepare for the word of God to transform and open our hearts to hear his words. Pray with me. Gracious and merciful Father, we thank you for this beautiful day, and we thank you for all that you provide. We thank you most of all for Jesus, and we thank you for his word and his gospel. I ask for your help this morning, Lord, that I would faithfully and lovingly preach your word to your people. We ask for you to search us, O oh God, and to know our hearts, to try us and know our thoughts, and to see if there be any grievous way in us, and to lead us in the way of everlasting, the everlasting way of King Jesus. Help us to listen to, attentively to your word. 
Help us to examine our hearts. We love you, Lord, only because you first loved us. We love you. In the mighty name of King Jesus, we ask these things. Amen. So a little context for this morning's message. If you have not turned to the Gospel of Mark, please go there now. Mark chapter 4. We notice that Jesus is on the scene to fulfill the promises of the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus says in Mark 1 verse 15, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Jesus has called his disciples to follow him. And Jesus is immediately, one of Mark's favorite words, teaching the gospel of God in the synagogues. Demons are freaking out that Jesus has arrived. And they are calling him the Holy One of God. Jesus rebukes the demons and tells them, be silent. Jesus continues to heal and teach and preach, and the crowds are amazed at his teachings. The religious leaders are not happy because Jesus is eating with tax collectors and sinners. The Pharisees don't like that Jesus is healing on the Sabbath. Oh no, not the Sabbath. They want him dead. They say that the works of Jesus are of Satan and that he has an unclean spirit. Jesus has an unclean spirit, they say. And in Mark chapter 3, verse 35, the verse directly preceding this morning's passage, Jesus says to the crowd, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. We are able to recognize that people are responding to Jesus in a number of different ways. And undoubtedly, Jesus recognizes this. So Mark 4 begins with Jesus teaching a parable. According to the commentaries and the books that I've been able to consult with these past couple of weeks, I picked a controversial and difficult parable to preach on. <laughs> Didn't try to. Some commentators, they focus on the sower. Some commentators focus on the seed. Some commentators focus on the soil and some on the harvest. This morning, we are going to focus on how to respond to the words of Jesus. So what is a parable? Generally, a parable is a story that illustrates a spiritual truth by using a comparison. According to McCartney and Clayton, the authors of Let the Reader Understand, I like that title, parables not only clarify the nature of the reign of God, but also obscure the understanding of those who oppose Jesus. 
So how is the crowd that Jesus is speaking to going to respond to his parable? More importantly, how are we going to respond to this parable? Which brings me to our big idea. How you respond to the words of Jesus will lead you to a spiritual harvest or a spiritual famine. How you respond to the words of Jesus will lead you to a spiritual harvest or a spiritual famine. Let me provide you with a a quick little outline of what I'm going to go over. I'm going to begin by taking you through a quick stroll through the parable of the soils in verses 1 through 9, which are going to emphasize the necessity of listening. Then we'll hit verses 10 through 12, in which we'll attempt to answer the question, why does Jesus speak in parables? And we'll conclude with verses 13 through 20, which are going to highlight the four different responses that come from those who hear the word sown in them. So our first main point. You guys taking notes? Verses 1 through 9, our first main point. The way you listen to the words of Jesus will affect the outcome of your soul. The way you listen to the words of Jesus will affect the outcome of your soul. Mark 4, verses 1. And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him. So he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. Notice how Jesus begins with a command to listen. He says, listen. Verse 4, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. So I think the crowds would have had immediately envisioned a farmer sowing some seed, just casually sowing seed, broadcasting it evenly, some falling along different paths. Has anyone ever tried to grow grass in Arizona? Some of us just throw it all over the lawn. Hopefully all the birds don't come and eat it. While the birds sit there and just laugh at us, and then they eat all the seed. Verses 5 through 8. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it. And it yielded no grain. Other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. Pretty straightforward, right? Jesus concludes the parable with a statement to simulate, to stimulate a response. 
Jesus concludes the parable with a statement to stimulate a response. Verse 9, and he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So two very important takeaways from verses 1 through 9, right off the bat. Jesus commanded us to listen, and he wants us to hear his words. He wants us to respond. He wants the crowd to respond. Here's what's crazy. Mark stops at verse 9. No explanation. No explanation for the crowd. At least not yet. No explanation. So how was the crowd going to respond to the words of Jesus? How are we going to respond to the words of Jesus? Were they going to go home and think about it? Were they going to reflect upon it? Were they going to reflect on what Jesus had said already in the synagogues? Were they going to think about the healings that he was doing? How he was challenging the religious leaders? Maybe some of the crowd or even the disciples were going to run to the local synagogue bookstore and grab a copy of the scroll of Isaiah and consider what Isaiah had to say about the coming Messiah? Or were they going to respond in a way in which they had already responded, with more of an interest in his miraculous works, or how he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, or how he was healing on the Sabbath? Were they going to continue to respond in a manner of self-righteousness, they already had it all together. They already knew it all. They didn't need anything from Jesus. So let's find out why Jesus did speak in parables. Verses 10 through 12. Verses 10 through 12 introduce us to a scene where Jesus is along with his disciples and some others. Once again, the text does not reveal how much time had passed between Jesus finishing the parable and the disciples asking for an explanation. But I think it's safe to say that the disciples had a little time to reflect on what Jesus had said. So after some reflection, the disciples and those around him asked Jesus about the parables. Our second main point, why does Jesus speak in parables? The parables reveal and conceal God's word. Parables reveal and conceal God's word. Look at Mark 4, chapter, 10, verse, chapter 4, verses 10 through 12 with me. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So we see first that the parables reveal the word of God. 
So Jesus replied to his followers, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. This was the prize for listening intently. Jesus revealed to them the mystery, the secret of the kingdom of God. After all, there is an explanation to the parable, and he's going to give it because they were listening to him. I wonder if the disciples, if they were pondering the book of Proverbs during this time, as they waited for an explanation. Listen to Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 through 8. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. The disciples are ready to hear more of God's word, to let it sink into their hearts. We also notice the opposite of the revealing of the word. We notice that the parables conceal the word of God. They conceal the word of God. Turn to chapter 3 of Mark with me. Right at the beginning of chapter 3, Mark tells us that while Jesus was in the synagogue on the Sabbath, ready to heal a man with a withered hand, Jesus was grieved at his hardness of heart. of the hardness of heart of the Pharisees and Herodians. The Pharisees and Herodians wanted to destroy Jesus. They wanted him dead. In Mark 3, verse 23, the scribes were saying that the works done by Jesus were demonic, were of Satan. They didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Their hearts were hardened and they refused to listen and obey. They were on the outside. They didn't want inside. And we see that everything that Jesus says will be in parables to conceal the word of God for those who are outside. Verse 11 of chapter 4, but for those outside, everything is in parables so that for the purpose of, they may indeed see but not perceive and may indeed hear but not understand. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. Jesus, the righteous drudge, the greater than Isaiah prophet, references Isaiah 6, verses 9 through 10. Just as Israel had refused to listen and to obey the word of God in Isaiah's day, Isaiah's current religious leaders were going to receive God's righteous judgment because they did not listen to the word of God. Jesus came proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. The religious leader's ears should have perked as high as Mount Everest 
But they didn't. They flopped. They closed their ears. No change of heart. No reflection. They refused to humble themselves and listen to the words of Jesus. Lest they should turn and be forgiven. Klein Snodgrass, it's a beautiful name, author of Stories with Intent, comments, quote, Jesus taught in parables like any good prophet to appeal and to enable hearing. Where parables find a willing response, further explanation is given. Where there is no response, says Klein, the message is lost, unquote. The word of God is concealed to those who refuse to humble themselves and listen to and accept the word of God. So the parable explained. Finally, we're there. Verses 13 through 20. Jesus provides his followers with an explanation of this parable. Verse 13 shows us that this parable is the foundational parable to understand all the other parables. And he said to them, do you not understand this parable? Jesus said to them, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? It was kind of like Jesus was saying, Come on, guys, this one's an easy one. This is the parable of the parables. If you ain't getting this one, you ain't going to get the rest. This is how the kingdom of God grows and flourishes. The disciples' eyes should have been huge at this point. Were they tuned in? Are we tuned in? Are we hearing? I love the heart of Jesus. I love the heart of Jesus. So merciful and gracious. He wants them to know him. He wants them to know him. Can you hear and see his heart? Imagine just Jesus intently staring at them. I'm not leaving until you hear my word. I want you to know me. He's desiring for them to listen to the urgency and importance of his message. Verse 14 The sower sows the word. Who is the sower? The sower is not identified. Jesus doesn't tell us who the sower is. However, Jesus is telling the parable, so he may be referring to himself as the sower. We do see in Mark 2, verse 2, that Jesus was preaching the word. And in verse 33 of chapter 4, Jesus spoke the word to them. And what is the word? In Matthew's account of the same parable, Matthew records that the word is the word of the kingdom. 
We also know that Jesus was proclaiming the word, the gospel. We know that the gospel is the good news. We know that the good news is that if we repent of our sins and believe that Jesus died for our sins and believe that he was raised from the dead, we will be saved. We know that that's the gospel. It's good news. So we see that the word can be the mystery of the kingdom of God or the gospel or even Jesus' very words. All right, are you guys ready for the soils? Good stuff? Point number three, the fruitless soils and one fruitful soil. So we know that there's nothing wrong with the word that is sown so far, right? Rather, there's something funky with our hearts and how we respond to the word of God. The first type of soil described by Jesus is known as the seed sown along the path. A hard soil or a hardened heart. The solid, stiff, hard, impenetrable soil heart. The hard soil on the path. Verse 15. And these are the ones along the path. The word is sown. Where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. There's no reflection or, the, or things thought of God. They're not reflecting on it. No conviction of sin. Their hearts are so hardened and unaware to the things of God that the word of God just bounces right off them. Tragic. This soil just straight, this heart just straight up rejects the word. They just ignore it. They don't take a moment like we did this morning to pause and reflect and listen to the words of God. And who just happens to be hanging around like a bird waiting for some seed? Satan. Shady Satan. He's waiting around the corner. For some seed to devour. Some people to devour. Isn't that just like Satan? To be hanging around waiting to malign and trample the word of God? In the garden from the very beginning. What did Satan say to Eve? Did God actually say? Are you sure that you heard that correctly? You know what Satan sows? Lies and deceit and discord. Are we going to listen to the sower of lies? No. He wants nothing but to steal the word and kill it and destroy it. No, we ain't going to listen to Satan. We're going to listen to the vine dresser, the gardener of our souls, the gardener of our hearts, the gardener of the soil. We're going to listen to Jesus. 
Jesus said, I am the way, the path, if you will, and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The next type of soil Jesus highlights, the rocky ground. I call this soil the shallow or superficial heart. Read verses 16 and 17 with me. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. Think of all those who had been following Jesus. The great crowds, the, one who, the ones who were amazed at his teachings. The crowds who loved when Jesus healed the paralytic. They were amazed and glorified God saying, we've never seen anything like this. They were receiving his words with joy. I think Jesus knew that their reaction was only a superficial and shallow reaction. Jesus knew that tribulation and persecution was coming to those who follow him. And then many would follow away. Many would fall away. You guys recall the dudes in Luke 9 who told Jesus that they would follow him wherever he goes? And what happens? They made excuses why they wouldn't follow him. Jesus is giving us and the disciples a little preview of what life will look like if they follow him. He was reminding his disciples and us that it may cost them their lives if they chose to follow him. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 and 35, Jesus says to the crowd, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. Following Jesus is not easy, right? You remember how his own family said? He's out of his mind. Jesus is out of his mind. People will call you crazy. I've been called crazy, mostly because of the way that I laugh, but it's a crazy laugh, fun laugh, but mostly be, because I follow Jesus. I've been called crazy by my own family for following Jesus, for loving on Jesus. You know, t Stephen, too much Jesus, bro. That's all you say is Jesus. Let our families call us crazy. Let our friends call us crazy. Let's sow the word into their souls, right? Will you endure when tribulation or trials come on account of the name of Jesus? Because of your allegiance to King Jesus. You may be feeling like you have some rocky soil. You know what breaks up that rocky soil? 
the word of God. Someone said Jesus. That's what breaks up the rocky soil. I, lo- I love this, this verse. Listen to how God describes his word in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 23, verse 29. He says, the, the Lord says, is not my word like a hammer that breaks the rock in pieces? Oh, memorize that verse. You want to memorize a verse. Let the word of God break up that rocky soil and commit your life to Jesus once again, once and for all. Another type of soil that will immediately lead to spiritual famine is the thorny soil, or what I like to call the worried soil, or the strangled soil, strangled heart. Verses 18 and 19, chapter 4. And others are the ones sown among thorns, They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. This soil makes me think of the rich young man in Mark chapter 10. This man undoubtedly heard the message of the kingdom of God. He heard Jesus preaching the gospel, and he wanted to know What do I do? What can I do to inherit eternal life? What do we find out? That Jesus, knowing that he was rich, told him to sell all of his possessions and give them to the poor and that he would have treasure in heaven. The young man was disheartened and went away sorrowful. He was this close, yet he was so far away. The deceitfulness of riches choked out the word that he had received from Jesus. And this can easily happen to any one of us. Our affections can be divided between the things of this world and the things of God. Do you you recall in John 6 when Jesus said that he was the bread of life and that he was the true food from heaven? In John chapter 6, verse 58, Jesus said, whoever feeds on me will live forever. Jesus knew that some of those who were following him would not believe in the word that was sown in them. In John 6, verse 65, Jesus said that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by the Father. And after Jesus said that, many of his disciples turned back and no longer walked with him. Are you worried about tomorrow? Are you worried about your future? Whether you will have enough possessions and enough money to get you through this life. This is my paraphrase of how Jesus responded. Jesus said, don't even sweat it. Don't even sweat worrying about whether you'll have enough food to eat or clothes to wear. 
Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Thank you, sister. Amen. If Jesus cares for the birds of the air and the lilies of the field, how much more will he care for you? Isn't that good news? I forget that. Jesus loves us, his heart. Oh, where was I? Yeah, don't be worried about tomorrow. You ready for the final soil? The final and only response that matters in this parable? The word sown in good soil. The word sown in good soil. The fertile soil. The fertile soil. The soft heart. Verse 20. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. Thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. That's a lot of folds. Twofold is double. Threefold is triple. Fourfold is quadruple. Fivefold is quintuple. Right? Thirtyfold. 60-fold, 100-fold. It's a lot. It's abundant, big time. A supernatural harvest is coming for those who hear and accept his word. These are the ones who have endured, the ones who persevere. What does this fruit look like? Love and joy and peace. I'm going to add unity in there and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control abound in all that. Can you imagine if we abound in all that? Those of you who are at home, everyone in this room abound in that. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. Mmm. I want to eat some of that fruit. Some of you today, and for those of you online, you may feel like you're not bearing much fruit, yet you still trust in the Lord Jesus with all your heart, and you encourage others to do the same. Some of you can't seem to catch a break. I hear that a lot. I can't seem to catch a break. Nonetheless, you hold on to the promises of God and you keep encouraging others. You keep meeting with them. You you encourage them to hang on. Some of you have lost your jobs or you can't seem to get a job. Or maybe some of you have been denied entrance into a school that you thought you were going to go to. Maybe you've lost a loved one recently. 
I lost my dad recently. And I only wanted him to remember one name, one word, Jesus. And I said it to him every day. Not every day, that's, that's a straight up lie, my bad. I said it to him a lot. At least every time I saw him, I said, Dad, if there's only one name that you can remember, what is it? And he would say, Jesus. Maybe you've lost multiple loved ones. I'm sorry. Maybe your health's not great. Or you desire marriage. You're still single. Maybe you're in a marriage that's struggling. Yet through all these things, you continue to abide in the word. You continue to listen to and accept the words of King Jesus. You're staying connected to community. You're coming to church. And for those who can't make it to church, you're watching online. You're praying for us. You're praying for one another. You're faithfully doing your best to stay connected. You're counting it all joy when you meet trials of various kinds. You continue to trust in Jesus. You continue to encourage others. You continue to serve. And you continue to cheerfully and generously give. This is a great body. This is a great church. Some great brothers and sisters in here. You believe deep in your soul that the only one who sustains you and provides for you is King Jesus. That is spiritual fruit. That kind of workmanship only comes from the grace of God. Mm. Some of you may be thinking, dude, Stephen, I want to listen. I want to hear the words of King Jesus. I think I hear him, but he seems so far away. I'm weak. You don't know how much I've sinned. I'm scared. You don't know how much I hurt deep inside. You don't know how much I've hurt others. I can't be helped. Jesus can help. He's the only helper. The great physician is going to do some heart surgery. Jesus is nearer to you than ever before. The fact that you would even consider coming to Jesus is from the grace of God. Don't let Satan steal that from your heart. Don't let him. Humble yourself. Confess your sin. 
Put all your trust in him. You know who the only one who fully submitted to and obeyed King? I almost gave you the answer. (laughs) Who's the only one who submitted to him fully and obeyed him fully? Jesus. He did the will of the Father. Jesus humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to glory, to the glory of God the Father. Do not lean on your own understanding. Throw yourself before the throne of grace and cry out to Jesus. For those of us who believe in Jesus, we believe that he is a sustainer of our soul, but we are worried we might be drifting away. Let me encourage you. Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. When you sin, repent. Look to King Jesus for forgiveness. Jesus is faithful and just and will cleanse you from all your unrighteousness. Hang out with people who love to talk about Jesus. Attend a community group where you can pray with and pray for others. Jesus said, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who is gentle and lowly in heart? Jesus. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not quench. Let's examine our souls this week and listen to and accept the words of King Jesus. Do what he says, and you will bear much fruit. Not the kind of fruit that is plastic, and used for decoration, but the kind of fruit that keeps reproducing and bearing more fruit, 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold. Those who have ears to hear, let them hear. Let's pray.